This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? How is it going? (laughs) This episode is going out in the second week of December. So if you're listening as it comes out, dare I ask, how is the Christmas prep going? It's not going really at all in our house. There's a lot to think about at Christmas, isn't there? The food, the gifts, the decorations, the cards, the wrapping paper, the relatives, the stockings, it goes on and on. And while some of us might be giving a little more thought to the waste and the plastic mountains that can result at this time of year, how many of us give much thought to the carbon footprint of our Christmas? Hmm, I have to say I hadn't really. I mean, it sounds like the ultimate party pooper buzzkill, doesn't it? To be thinking about the carbon impact of our Christmas. I mean, I think we can all guess that it's pretty bad, right? But just how bad? And what can we do about it? And can we get rid of it without getting rid of Christmas? Lots of questions about this. Maybe it's just me, but I have a lot of questions about this, which is why it was great to chat to Luke Gaydon one of the co-founders of Terra Neutra, an organisation that has the aim of creating a carbon-positive world. And they provide guidance, services and tech in support of that vision. Now, I've chatted to Luke before about carbon footprints and offsetting more generally during the Sustainable-ish online festival that some of you may have attended and happened during lockdown in May this year. So I'll link to that in the show notes for anyone who wants to go back and have a little watch or a listen. Luke is a great guest and I hope that our chat leaves you feeling inspired and informed about some of the things you can do to cut the carbon just a little bit this Christmas. Now just before we dive in, to let you know, I've started recording some of the episodes of the podcast live for members of my Knackered Mums Eco Club, which is my membership for knackered, fledgling greenies wanting some help to do their bit. And they get to watch the recording live and take part in the Q&A at the end. So if you're wondering what the references are to the chat during the episode, we're talking about the Zoom chat and the questions at the end that appear as if by magic are from some of the knackered mums who are watching live, but I've kept them in because I thought they were really good, really useful questions. And to let you know, this is the last podcast from me this year. I'm taking a break for a few weeks, but I will be back in the new year with lots more good stuff. Thank you so much for all your listens and your comments and your support this year. I hope that the podcast has been helpful and maybe even vaguely entertaining at times. Please, please do leave a comment and or a review online wherever you get your podcasts from. That would be the best Christmas present for me. It really is one of the best ways of spreading the word and making sure that more people get to hear about the podcast. So I will shut up now. Have a brilliant Christmas. Stay safe and I will see you on the other side. Take care. Hello, Luke. Okay. Welcome to Sustainability, or welcome back, because you actually did a festival session for us, didn't you? I, I did. Yeah, thank you, Jen. It is, it's lovely to be back. Um, uh, we're in lockdown again. again. <laughs> um, I need a haircut again. But no, thank you very much for having me back. It's, it's really lovely to be here today. Doesn't that feel like so long ago, May, when we did the festival? Yeah, it really does. It almost seems like a sort of a lifetime yeah. ago in many respects. But it was it was actually a very welcome 
change to what I think was a very monotonous mm. time for, for a lot of people. And I think that was really great to kind of get people together and to do something that was different to, I think, what, what people were doing and, and sort of coping with on, on a day-to-day basis. But yeah, it was also, of course, lovely and warm <laughs> and sunny. And I'm looking out the window now and okay, it's not raining, but it's, it's freezing cold yeah. and it'll be dark in about five minutes. So yes, exactly. yeah, it seems like a very long time ago and it's a very different situation now. So we do have Christmas to look forward to, of course, which is, uh, which is lovely, particularly seeing as it looks like, well, many of us will be able to spend time with, with family and friends, which I think yeah. for a lot of people that was for me, I was thinking, God, what's, what is this going to be like? And it's such a big, I love Christmas. I'm an unabashed kind of fan of, an apologetic fan of. And so the idea of, of almost celebrating it, you know, even if it just been the four of us, my wife and our two children, that would have been lovely. Mm. It's not quite, I don't know, it's not quite what, what we would have hoped for. So um, yeah. hopefully people will be able to be, be with, with more of their family and more of their friends. Yeah. And we're yeah. going to talk about Christmas and specifically we about are. the sort of carbon impact, if you like. But before we dive yeah. into that, let's just get a few bits of jargon out of the way for anyone who didn't see. I will link in the show notes yeah. to the festival session we did. And I've also done a podcast with Joe Hand from Geeky, where we talk about carbon footprints and that kind of uh, thing. Amazing. Yeah, um, they're fantastic. So I'll link to that as well. Yeah. But for anyone who hasn't seen a, um, either of those, what's, I guess, first thing, you know, what's the, why do we keep banging on about carbon? It's probably yeah. the first question. Very, very good question. Um, we keep banging on about carbon or carbon dioxide mm-hmm. emissions um, because they are one of the main greenhouse gas emissions that when uh, they're trapped in the atmosphere, create a rise in temperature, which is global warming, which is climate change. Mm. So carbon emissions, there is a direct link between carbon emissions um, and global warming and climate change. The reason that we talk about carbon emissions perhaps more than methane emissions mm-hmm. or nitrogen emissions is not necessarily because they're, they're, they're any worse. In fact, they're, I, I, I'm not as good on nitrogen and, and uh, methane. <laughs> um, they're not. But for us, for humans, they are utterly and completely and inextricably linked with our daily lives. Mm-hmm. So we hopefully people are, are becoming more familiar with the term carbon footprint. So we tend to think of, I think we have tended to think of carbon footprints as something that companies have Mm -hmm. or governments have or countries have. And the answer is we have a carbon footprint Mm. and pretty much everything we do on a day-to-day basis goes into that carbon footprint. And so, you know, I I like to sort of think of it as our lives being kind of almost completely carbonized. Mm. Um, And so that's why they're so, that's why they're so important. That's why we're talking about it so much because our lives are so closely bound up yeah. with, with carbon emissions. And so it's really, I think, so important for us to be aware of that and to be aware of what all of those different pieces of that carbon yeah. footprint are, the heel, the toe, the pad, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in foot terms, and kind of being aware of, of you know, the, different, uh, the different levels, the different impacts of each mm-hmm. of, those, of those pieces. And this is really important, not being overwhelmed by it. I, mm. I think if I didn't know about carbon emissions and I didn't know about the carbonization of our lives i might listen to what i just said and go oh my god i didn't know that everything like i'm i'm directly responsible for global warming and climate change it's all on me uh you know all of my life i didn't know now i feel guilty please don't think that (laughs) this is it's a really it can be a really overwhelming Mm. concept it could be a really overwhelming idea i think the lovely thing about it is it means that we can do things that yeah. will actually make a difference. We can do small things, easy things, dare I say it, that will make a difference. Yeah. And that's got to be a positive thing. That's got to be something that we can feel optimistic about. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, and it's very much aligned, I think, with Jen, with your philosophy about don't do it perfectly. Do a few things. Yeah. Get into a habit. Don't worry if you're not changing everything about your life instantly that will be enough. And I think it's very much, I think we have a very similar philosophy to carbon emissions, which are, don't worry. Mm. Um, There are things that you can do. They're simple things. They're easy things. There are things that I dare I say, you might not even miss or notice. Yeah. Yeah. You did them or you didn't do them. They'll save you money in a lot of cases, always a popular, um, usually a popular idea. And, you know, there's, um, and if enough of us all get together and do these things, then we will have a really, really good shot at not just kind of coping with 
this challenge and this sort of climate emergency that we're in. But actually coming out the end of it, we, we have a mission statement to create a carbon positive world, which is yeah. sort of, you know, you've got, you've got let's be carbon neutral and let's get to net zero, which frankly would be amazing. And, mm. and I would be, re- I think we'd all be really happy if we got there. But I don't know how inspiring a goal that is. It's for me, I was thinking, what's a good analogy? I have a lot of experience with overdrafts, unfortunately. <laughs> Many may may uh, feel the same way. If you have an overdraft of a hundred pounds, like I wish I did, your goal wouldn't be to get to naught. Mm-hmm. It would be to get to a hundred in right credit, yeah. And that you could sort of get behind because then you'd have something in the bank. You could do mm. things with that. And so that's the analogy that I think about for carbon emissions, which is getting to net zero, getting to zero in your in your carbon emissions overdraft. Mm. Great. But what about getting to credit? Yeah. What about getting to a place where we're actually in credit with carbon emissions as opposed to just being at, at, at sort of at zero, as it were, at neutral? Yeah. So and again, I think if enough people get together um, and do some of the things that we're going to talk about, then I, it, it's completely achievable um, and we should be excited about the opportunity to do this. Yeah. And I completely agree with what you say that you know, once we start saying to people, look, everything we do has an impact. As individuals, we have an impact. As, as countries, you know, it can feel a bit like, oh, my God. But actually, the positive side of that is everything we do has an impact. And therefore, yeah. everything we do, we have the potential to decrease that impact almost. And I think when we talk about, certainly in my head, when I talk about carbon, I'm kind of just talking generally about greenhouse gases. You know, it's yeah. kind of a, a, a shorthand, I guess, isn't it? And And to be honest, it could be it's just giving it a name, isn't it? We could be like, we could be looking at jelly footprints or, um, you know, uh, gloves. Yeah. I'm just looking at what's on my desk, glove footprints or anything <laughs> like that. It's just, it's just kind of, it's just a way of measuring something and giving us a, a number almost that we can then work on. It, it, it is. And I think one of the things that um, I, I'm a relative newcomer to, I'm not a scientist. I'm not even very good at maths. In fact, I'm very bad at maths. So I'm quite a newcomer to, this, to the science of, of carbon emissions and greenhouse emissions and climate change and so forth. And as a non-scientific person, but who is very passionate, very engaged with it, I looked at it and a lot of these terms and a lot of the words and a lot of the vocabulary is quite daunting. Mm. Um, And some of it's just really weird. Like, you know, you measure emissions in tons of emissions. Mm. What does a ton of the festival like? What does a ton of carbon dioxide emissions look like? I have a vision of a big metal shipping container. Uh, Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I think carbon footprint is lovely because of the idea of the being an impact Mm. of the being, you know, we all understand what a footprint is. You step in something as sand, you, you know, have a footprint, it's there. There's a, you've made a trace, you've made Mm. it. That, that makes a lot of sense. Whether we're talking about carbon or we're talking about methane or we're talking about nitrogen, lots of people are working on the science. I think we need to work on the, you know, the, the behavior, the psychology, mm. maybe the actions, the impact and, and in an everyday way that everybody can, can really engage with and cannot be put off by and be like, I don't understand that. It's making me feel yeah. anxious as a result yeah, of that lack of understanding. I feel, yeah, I feel stupid or I feel uninformed or I just, I don't know, or I want to, I, I think let's move on from that and, and kind of look at what are the practical things that we can do? Yeah. What are the common sense th- things that we can do and talk about them in those terms? Mm, yeah. So Christmas coming up. Yeah. And we're all aware. Well, I think becoming increasingly aware of what a wasteful period of or even more wasteful period of the year Christmas is, because we will literally be taking out these black bags full of wrapping paper or yeah. whatever. But yeah. I don't know that we've quite kind of joined the dots between our increased consumption if you like at Christmas and the carbon footprint of Christmas can you yeah um, I I think that's some idea of what that is yeah that's a really really good point and I would agree with you I'm not sure generally speaking that we have we kind of everyone have have figured out that there is a very very tight link between buying things Mm. which is what you do at Christmas and other times of the year and a bigger carbon footprint. Mm. So if you look at Christmas, 
Christmas has a carbon footprint at an individual, at a per person level, that's about double what it is during the rest of the year. Oh, okay. And the reason for that is increased consumption of everything. Increased consumption in terms of buying presents, and those mm. presents have a carbon footprint. Mm. Increased consumption in terms of the food that we eat yeah. and the drink that we drink, and unfortunately, the food and drink and presents that we waste. Yeah. Um, energy, you know lots of lights lots mm. of uh, christmas trees lots of you know cooking and so forth and then a, a bit of transport as well because we a lot of us will travel to go and see people and a lot of us will use cars or um or, or, or even uh, planes i suppose although hopefully not not too many but sometimes you know if mm. your family's in yeah, australia yeah. then then you do so what you get with Christmas is is just more of the same sorts of things that you're doing over the year in a concentrated period of time. My go-to Bible for carbon footprints and so forth is Mike Berners-Lee, yes. Berners-Lee's book, um, How Bitter Bad of Bananas. I don't know yeah. if you saw it, which was in the news recently, because I think the government quoted one of his measurements. He measured the carbon footprint of emails. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. And there was a big government. Apparently, there was a government director that went around and said, we need to do less emailing because of the carbon footprint. Mm. And they're right. I mean, that would, but you might argue there was sort of bigger, <laughs> Probably bigger, slightly bigger, bigger things fish the to fly. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, every little helps, I suppose. Christmas has a bigger carbon footprint than the rest of the time of year because we we do more of the things that we do um, yeah. during the rest of the year. This might be a really technical question and probably completely pointless, but when we're measuring the carbon footprint of Christmas, is that yeah. Christmas week? Is that the, the, the two weeks either side of Christmas when the kids it, are off? Like what, or is it December? That, like what is Christmas? Two, it's that two week period. Okay. Basically. So the sort of school stop to, yeah. um, to the back end of the, the week after Christmas. So those two weeks are having two, the same yeah. impact as a normal month. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. You, there's an argument you could make for doing the whole of December. There's an argument to mm. go out to New Year's Eve. Yeah. But I think for the for the purposes of, yeah, of that yeah, measurement, yeah. it's it's those two weeks. And that's and let's be honest, even for the most organised amongst us, that's when we do most of our shopping. That's when we're going <laughs> out and about the most. That's when we do the travelling. Mm. That's when we do the throwing away. I think the upsetting thing about Christmas having a bigger footprint is the waste bit. Mm. And it's, it's the waste side of it that I think is so is really for me, what makes me is what gets me quite emotional. I love people getting together for Christmas. I love people having it when they're fortunate enough, having, you know, Turkey and mm, mm. mince pies and presents. The bit that I find really difficult is the fact that there was a, a YouGov forecast for this year or survey that suggested that there would be 60 million unwanted presents mm -hmm. this year apparently again i got this off a government uh, website the amount of wrapping paper that will be wasted for the uk alone could stretch to the moon yeah i don't even know what to do with that as a, yeah. as a sort of as a concept and then actually just sort of, and for food waste, and this isn't specific to Christmas, but there was a UN report, it was about three or four years ago now, I think, which said that if food waste was a country, it would be the third biggest emitter of emissions mm -hmm. after China and America. Mm. I think when we think about Christmas and what we can do to be more sustainable at Christmas, if we can attack, and I, and I mean, I know that's quite a strong, but it, mm. if we can attack the waste, mm it will make a huge difference. Yeah, so it's almost like you can, you can have the Christmas you want, but just let's try and cut out on some of those, those wasteful bits. Exactly, and, and that does mean, it does mean being a bit more thoughtful mm. about what you're buying, be it presents or food or, or drink or, or whatever. It means, you know, waste is obviously single-use plastics. Yeah. It's things that can't be recycled. So um, wrapping paper, there are some great alternatives there's obviously my mainstay, which is uh, reusing paper from last year, plus yeah. newspapers, but there's recycles uh, wrapping paper. There's a great place called EcoVibe. There's a great website called EcoVibe where you can buy tags and lovely paper and all of these things. And it's all 100% recycled mm -hmm. paper, you know, or using, you know, nice gift bags that you've saved across the year, yeah. loads of different alternatives. And they're not dull and boring they're nice mm. and they're Christmassy you know food I think it's just being 
more thoughtful about how much are you are you buying and are mm-hmm. you storing it properly and can you freeze it and yeah. you know just just these these things they can make a huge difference and then on the present side of things i've been guilty of this we all mm. have it's the panic last minute present that you end up getting for somebody or even for a lot of people if you're me previously and how many times do they use it mm. Um, but it's so it it's so so hard because yeah you know I've been trying to to tackle Christmas if you like for eight years now since we spent our year buying nothing new I still really struggle it's, with the kids I think like yeah. we've pretty much paired back most other people but I still feel that pressure do you know that that association in my head of giving the, the gifts is what makes Christmas for them. And it kind of yeah. does. And that's partly my fault because that's what the, the sort of expectations we've led them to have, I guess. And, but there's also a huge amount of societal pressure, isn't there? They see what their yeah. friends are, are asking for and getting and, and everything revolves around the presents and the stuff. And, and I still really, really struggle with this. So again, as, as a, you know, as a massive Christmas fan, presents are part of Christmas. Mm. Um, and, I, I would find it really difficult, honestly, to say I disagree with presents at Christmas. I would be lying mm. uh, and I wouldn't be able to sit here and say that. But to that problem, I'm going to make a prediction now and also a, uh, a prayer. And the prediction is, the prayer is that my five-year-old son doesn't hear this podcast or watch this video. The prediction is his favorite present this year is going to be a toy that's been re-gifted to him from an older friend of ours and be mm. a child of an, an older child friend of ours is he going to care that it's second hand mm. no he is not he will not give a monkeys we will wrap it it'll go under yeah. the tree with the rest of them that will be fine there was a lovely i was talking to charlotte um it's one of our co-founders at terra Nutra. she has slightly older children i could probably get away with it three and five yeah you know, her children are now i think they're all in their teens i think they go from about 14 to to 18 she had this she had this problem but in a slightly weirder way because her son had had gone and got he'd he'd been given the option to to kind of buy his own presents right he'd gone to depop which is the site where you can you know people resell yeah clothes and his budget had gone twice as far <laughs> as everybody else's he had ended up with twice as many presents yeah. because he'd been smart enough to go uh, yeah. well hang on a minute so whether it's depop or ebay or gumtree or whether it's it's friends Mm -hmm. and you know my wife and i do a massive amount of circular sort of giving Mm. of clothes and toys and books and so forth and swapping and um we we do that for because we want to be sustainable and we Mm. want to live sort of low carbon lives i have to be honest we also do it because we want to be careful with our money Mm. um it's a lot cheaper to buy presents that way and, and and some people say, well, cheaper equals not as good. N- no, fundamentally, no. Again, I'll, I'll come back to the example of of my son and, and the present that he's mm. going to get, and and Charlotte's son, and and how he was really clever and actually got more, and yes. was, was therefore probably <laughs> happier. And more isn't necessarily better, but in this case, I think there is there are now. What's amazing now, if you think about what's happened in the last few years, that all of a sudden there are lots of these platforms, shops, um, services. Mm which are catering to secondhand or resold yeah. or repaired yeah. presents. And then there are the other kind of non-physical presents, which could be new, which could be experiences. Yes. You know, you take somebody on a, a walking tour, probably not a good idea for a five-year-old. Depends how much winding um, you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, you get them a subscription to an organization that they're really mm. passionate about, or maybe a subscription to something like, audiobooks i'm a massive yeah. booker, and i suddenly started thinking well hang on i could give i could give somebody a book which would probably be new and would better be second but what about giving them a subscription an audiobook subscription and then they've got yeah thousands but somebody of- needs to to come up with an audio subscription site that isn't amazon related <laughs> because i well, guess there's yes, people who don't want to yeah, support no, amazon but there feels like there isn't a viable alternative at the moment which is really frustrating (laughs) it's a bit like finding a sort of social media or chat thing that isn't owned by facebook yes quite quite tricky as well yes you're right and again you you still have to kind of cast your eye over you know ebay 
sells lots and lots of secondhand things, but you also have people on there selling new things. Mm. It's not, you do need to go in there and say, okay, I want something yes. secondhand. But yeah. I've found that actually, I know it's so much easier to say this than to do this, but it's so much more fun and enjoyable thinking about a present for somebody and, and just blocking out some time mm. to try and do something clever or new or creative yeah. than just running to a shop or to Amazon in yeah. a blind panic at the nth hour and mm. going, uh, you know, gunk. Yeah. Because even as you're giving it, you kind of, you know, it's a bit of a, I don't yeah. know. I'm now, I'm now depressing myself. <laughs> <laughs> I got um, uh, one year, I got my brother um, who's really into cricket, a copy of, I don't know if it was the Cricketer magazine or Wisden magazine or something, yeah. but from the, the month and year of his birth, managed to track that down on eBay. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Do you know, yeah. you can do kind of more personal things like that with secondhand yeah. stuff. So that's... I've got, yeah, I've got a signed photo from a, a rugby player. For oh, a, amazing. For, 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 and then I found another, I'm on the cricket thing, the little yeah. cards with lots of signs. And it's, it's like, you know, I, I got it for about, two pounds but it's amazing it's a little bit of history and it's personal to them because they love that player or they love cricket mm. and i've got a really great mate who buys every he he lives on ebay finding oh, these really? funny little things mementos collectibles yeah. memorabilia and he gives them to people and they're absolutely he's so clever he puts so much thought into mm. it but he knows the people that he's giving them to he knows what they like and every single one of them they don't look at it and go that probably cost you a couple of quid on eBay. yes yeah. my goodness that is the most lovely clever he's always the person who is the favorite present gift. yes yeah well, way to get harry's present yeah the rest of us look really bad but i guess that's that's almost part of the problem is that sometimes at christmas especially we're giving gifts to people we don't really know so whether yeah. that's extended family and um, i'm thinking like i'm already panicking about teacher gifts this year because you know i normally do yeah. something homemade and i'm like will they be worried about that i don't really know so i think that's where sometimes and it's, if we're doing office secret santas and stuff that's where these sort of novelty gifts end up coming in isn't it this is a not shameless plug but it'll, it'll be a bit of one so we we did this we had this offset for christmas last year which mm. was which was supposed to be a bit of a novelty idea and a way of trying to introduce people to the idea that christmas has a mm. carbon footprint and it was really really popular with office secret santas oh really oh, what a great idea yes giving offsetting their somebody's Christmas mm. and it's it's eight pounds and so it's probably about three pounds above the usual five right, yeah, um, yeah but I think things like things like that rather than and yes. I've done this you know you go to the like the shop that does that does Christmas cards and it's got like a mug or it's yeah. got like a, a little rubbery thing with some the, you know and you go oh that's clever and fun and and, you know, it, it probably is clever and fun, but it's... For about 24 hours. <laughs> if, you know, if that. But I also noticed that there are more and more gift guides coming out now, which are sort of trying to look at... I was looking at one of the newspapers this weekend, and again, there was a gift guide where there was a whole section of kind of low carbon... Mm presents and mm. they were some of them are really clever there's a there's another whole section on really really high <laughs> high carbon presents so it's not like you know but okay but it's it's interesting to me that that's starting to it's clearly starting to be a real consideration for people mm. when they think about what yeah. they're buying which can only be can only be a good thing um Definitely. so we've we've kind of gone on to offsetting christmas and there's lots and lots of questions yeah. i want to ask about that but you said last year it was about eight quid and we said the concept of tons of carbon is very difficult to get our head around, but yeah. how many tons of carbon does the average individual's Christmas cost? So this is a moving, this is a bit of a moving target mm. because the, the whole measurement of emissions and, you know, what somebody's carbon footprint um, goes up and goes down. Mm. And then as we move more towards renewable energy, it yeah. should come down, you know, et cetera. But at the moment, your average UK resident's carbon footprint is about 10 tonnes per year. So that yeah. divides down to just under a tonne a month. Right. So your Christmas, your, your Christmas offset would do you for just, would offset just under a tonne. Because again, okay. that two yeah. weeks equaling the equivalent of, of a month. month. Okay. Um, we take a mathematical view to the way that we calculate our offset products, but we present them very 
unmathematically. Right. Um, and I'll explain that because that doesn't sound sounds like it doesn't make any sense at all. There are lots and lots of um, footprint calculators out there, which are fantastic, but which ask you lots and lots of quite detailed cons- uh, uh, questions about mm-hmm. your um, about your life, about your mm. day to day consumption of everything from, you know, energy. How is your yeah. house heated? How big is it? You know, what do you spend your money on each month in terms of clothing, consumer electronics, mm, toiletries? Mm. You know, how do you travel to and from work, et cetera, et cetera. Even with the simplest of those, it's about 10 minutes, maybe a little bit less yeah. to get from the start to finish. And you have to have all of that information to yeah, build and yeah. do it. And, and our view is that there are an awful lot of people who will start that process and not finish it right? because yeah. they'll be like, well, I, I don't know where my bill is or yes. I can't remember what I did for this. And so they won't end up measuring their carbon footprint and they won't then end up doing whatever it was, whether it's right. it or whether it's reducing something. So we say, we're going to look at the average, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it may be. We're going to package that up as an average and we're going to mm-hmm. present it like that. And in the round, it will average out across people yeah. over time. And that way, it's not a five to 10 minute process. I've, I've, I, you know, mm, yeah. It's a 30 second process, yeah. 10 minute process. And to get more people doing this, it's, it's a bit like when energy companies decided to do the switching but, or other mm. companies decided to do the switching bit for you. They recognized that every time they asked you to do something and you to come back with another piece of information mm. was a point at which you might, not, yeah. you might drop off. Switching to a renewable energy company right now is so easy because they do the switching for you. Yes. You go and you say, I want renewable energy. This is roughly what I'm paying at the moment per month, or this yeah. is what my meter reading is. And they do everything for you. It's so easy. Yeah. You, you literally can do it in under 10 minutes. It's quicker mm. than calculating your carbon footprint. Yes. <laughs> so um, eight quid, I'm like, yeah. I'll chuck eight quid at that. Like, is there a risk is the wrong word. Um, mm. a, a, a possibility, I guess, that people will go, oh, do you know what? Here you go, have my eight quid. My guilt is now gone and yeah. I can carry on consuming at the rate I was going to for Christmas and I can buy all those little yeah. extras that I was starting to feel a bit guilty about. So effectively greenwashing at, at mm. the individual level. Um, or, or as I think George Monbiot put it, he, and he was talking about offsetting for companies and for, mm. for industries. He said it's, it's like the church selling indulgences. Yeah. Um, I'm gathering by that that he's not a religious person, but anyway. Um, Almost, you know, say your Hail Marys and you're Yeah, exactly. You know, it's that kind of... Yeah, yeah. it is. So, um, so the answer is, honestly, yes. You could look at it and go, well, I've done my kind of good deed for the day and therefore I can carry on behaving mm. um, as I want to regardless. There's two things that I would say about that. I think the first is just offsetting is not enough. Mm-hmm. If you are only offsetting, then you aren't approaching this problem the way that, that, that you, frankly, that you should and the way that we, I think, would, would like you to. You need to be, you know, first, as we were talking about before the call started, you know, first comes awareness, then comes reduction, mm. and then comes, comes offsetting. Mm. The offset for Christmas piece is there because reducing your Christmas for a lot of people will be difficult. They will yeah. say, well... I need to buy a turkey. I need to travel to my parents' house. Mm. I need to buy this many presents. And so it's a, it, for me, that offset for Christmas, for a lot of people who buy it like that, will be a starting point mm. for them next year yeah. doing it slightly differently. It's a journey. Not yeah. everybody is going to go in the same way that you've always said, you know, it's the little things like yeah. it's a starting point. Next year, they will buy fewer presents. They'll yeah. buy all recycled paper. Maybe they'll buy a smaller, t- you know, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. It's it's a journey. We're not going to get everyone to change everything. Oh God, yeah. You know, overnight. So if we can get a few people and a bigger number of people mm. to just take that first step, but then to be saying to them, "That's great, but now can you do this? Yeah. Now can you do this?" Then that's the that's the journey we want to we want to take Definitely. people on. If you're going to do all that, whatever you're buying at Christmas, anyway. And you haven't, you know, you're just thinking, well, I hadn't even really thought about it. And now it's a bit late and whatever. Yeah. Mm. Offsetting is better than not offsetting. It's better and, than not offsetting. And yeah. also, I completely agree with you. I've been saying this all along. I've done two rounds of the of my crap free Christmas boot camp mm. um, in the last sort of month. And, you know, there's an awful lot of things that you can change and it can feel really overwhelming. And I think Christmas is a really difficult time anyway, because there's all this societal expectation. There's all this family pressure and you're not going to change 
Christmas and Christmas family traditions that have built up over decades overnight yeah. do you know not if you still want yeah. your family to talk to you so actually yeah. you know if you can pick maybe three things that you're going to change this year whether that's picking wrapping paper that hasn't got glitter on it whether that's uh, you know maybe you can get an organic turkey if the budget will stretch you know and maybe you're gonna do a secret santa for the adults in your family or something you know three three things you're going to change mm. and then do your offset and then as you say you can already hopefully start thinking okay so what are another three things i can change next christmas and another three things and i think just that importance of doing it step by step and not getting overwhelmed by it yeah and and i think that's the same for it's the same for people it's the same for you know for for companies or, or not all companies but you know every but we've all got to start somewhere yeah and it's the starting bit that's the difficult bit if we can get everybody yeah. to start by doing something even if it's small that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna meet this challenge that's how we're gonna get to net zero and then carbon positive mm. and that's how we're gonna you know christmas is so enshrined in people's minds that the things that you do and the way that you enjoy but one thing that that actually somebody made a comment to me about is Christmas is about families. It's about being together and the, the traditions. Having a massive pile of, of presents under the Christmas tree, you know, he, that's actually, that's not Christmas. Like mm. that's, the, that's what we are encouraged to think yes. of as Christmas by the people who are selling us that stuff. Mm. That's where the mass consumerism yeah. comes in. And I'm not going to say, Christmas is a bit like Black Friday, but mm. the people who want us to buy lots and yeah. lots of stuff and it, well, for them, it is, it's like, it's our busiest selling. Yeah, group, yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. But like, let's not fall into that trap yeah, of thinking definitely. that more of everything and that the bigger the pile under the yeah. tree, the better it is. I, and I know I would say this, we would say this. I genuinely believe people are moving away from that. I think people mm. are moving away from, just it being about how many presents you've well, got on the tree and I how think big they the, are. The thing, and, and this is where I, you know, I've been saying to people, okay, the, the very starting point is to just take a breath and think, what are the things that I or we enjoy about Christmas? What do we want Christmas to mean? Because, yeah. you know, an increasing number of us aren't religious, so there's not that religious element to it. So actually does it come down to a festival of consumption and stuff and presents mm. or is it you know the things I love it's like the the Christmas music it's the mince pies yeah. it's the food it's the you know and at, at the moment this year it's really sad to be missing out on the carol having said we're not religious on the carol concerts and the nativity plays and all that yeah. kind of thing and actually I think if you ask anyone over the age of about 14 what it is they love about Christmas they're probably not you know if they do say presents it's probably going to be down the list um, yeah yeah, and cra you know crackers, and and you can, mm. buy, you can buy recycled crackers now. There are a lot of people who are now making whose whole company or whose whole business ethos is about making products that have a low carbon footprint. Mm. And you know whether it's their manufacturing processes or the materials that they're using or their distribution processes or whatever, all sort of you know economics and kind of mm. quite dry stuff, but really important. But there's a company called and I've I've seen I'm sort of on this tangent because I saw a question in in the chat window. One of the best presents that I've ever received was one of the lowest carbon footprint presents I've ever received. And it was a pair of trainers, pair of running shoes from a company called Allbirds, oh, who yeah. have completely reinvented the way you make trainers mm -hmm. or running shoes. They use recycled plastic. They use recycled paper. They use eucalyptus wood. They, I think they use seaweed. Don't ask me oh, okay. how. Yeah. And, and the carbon footprint of their shoes is so much less than yeah. the carbon footprint of a normal pair of shoes and and there's a really inspiring podcast about you know their how their mission and how they could but here's the thing they're really really good shoes yeah great quality shoes they are great running shoes they look great and and the and the founders said you know we we didn't set out to make a low carbon pair mm. of shoes we met set out to make a really good pair of shoes yes. that were low carbon to be yeah and to prove that you could do it I think that's an amazing yeah. thing to do. And then all of a sudden you're not, I think people probably still feel like you're having to make a trade-off. Yes, it's a compromise. Like new versus yeah. used or like it's not as good because yeah. it's, and, and increasingly that's just not the case. Yeah. So we pay you our eight pounds Yeah. and we're doing all these other things as well. What, how is our Christmas offset? So we work with three carbon offsetting projects. We've got a low smoke cook stove project in Sudan, which was our first project um, that installs liquid paraffin gas cook stoves in the Darfur region of Sudan, which is a very troubled region. Now, as, as this project, 
I can't remember if it, uh, uh, Tamsin's watching us on the live chat and a couple of people mentioned in the Knackered Mums Club that, that they'd, you know, done their carbon footprint and then they'd sort mm. of gone to offset and they'd chosen this project specifically because it feels like there's so many elements to it. It's, we traditionally it's, think of offsetting as yeah. planting trees, whereas this is reducing, I guess, them chopping down trees for, for wood, yep. but also freeing up the time for them. For, and most of it is women going collecting the wood, isn't it? Yep. For then girls can go and be educated. So then you're lifting people up out of poverty and educating people. And do you know like there's so much more to it? than it's, just... the, it's why we chose it as our first project. It's there are so many amazing mm. things about it. So, yes, you're combating uh, deforestation because nobody's chopping down trees to, to burn um, on fires. The fires themselves, the emissions are higher than the than the cook stove. So that's sort of two ways of, of and the, the health the impacts i think of those wood the health impact and, imagine yeah. basically you're barbecuing indoors mm. that's what these people are doing when they're cooking in mm. traditional means and then i love that i mean that there's a bit of it that so 97 percent of families that were surveyed said you know yes the health benefits better but 97 percent their said their husbands had taken more of an interest in oh cooking. really as a result and i was like well i don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing um, is, it, is it the equivalent of like, you know, having a new gadget in the house? It's exactly the equivalent. But yeah, it's, um, it, it frees up time for the yeah. women to, to go and do other things, which can be anything from things that will earn money. So there are mm. um, job opportunities, spending more time with their children, yeah. you know, just effectively being out of the wood gathering yeah. job. So it's a, it's a fantastic, it won an award. It's the first project ever set up in a conflict zone, Wow! which again is, is pretty amazing. So yeah, no, it's an incredible project. The other two are, are wonderful. There's a, a rainforest conservation project um, so it's an area in the Cardamom Mountains in Thailand, which mm -hmm. sadly was a very much bigger rainforest than it used to be. But now this project pays to effectively protect that from illegal logging. Um, okay. And I love that because it, I mean, A, I love trees and forests, but B, you know, huge biodiversity. Mm. Um, it's the habitat for hundreds of different um, yeah. creatures, all of which are out of a home and potentially dead if, they're, you know, if their habitat is logged. And again, I think, you know, we think of carbon offsetting mm. as planting trees and we forget mm. about protecting these, well, like, ancient rainforests that we are yeah. never going to be able to replicate by just chucking some seedlings in the ground no, and as you and, said that biodiversity and and then that. the actual the third project even more so which is not nearly as as sort of exotic sounding as as rainforest but peatland so peat yes. is like the superman of carbon absorption peat sequesters more carbon than any other form of vegetation including trees so over the millions of years that, that we've been going, all of these huge peatlands, which, you know, bogs, mm. um, wetlands, have absorbed gigatons worth of carbon. If you then burn it or develop over it, not only do you stop it sequestering anymore, but you release everything yeah. that's already been there. So my favorite, what, the way I hook people up about how important great peatlands are, are orangutans. So that's where lots of orangutans live in. Oh, because I would have thought in... Pete was just a UK-based, you know, kind of soggy Indonesia. Dartmoor type. So, our, so the exactly. All, all, so, our, all, so the the project we work with is in Indonesia, and something I think it's one hundred and thirty-five thousand hectares of peatland, which is home to um, the breed of orangutan that lives in in that part of the world, wow. um, and that's that's their home. So if you love orangutans, which yeah. I do, used to call them meringues when I was younger, then this, this project's for you. So yeah, those are, those are our three projects. And they, depending on what, what your passion is, I suppose, then you I can think, pick, hopefully can't this, you, which you of can those pick, three yeah, you want you to do. Yeah. yeah, you can. And you're you also can. doing another project at the moment that we were talking before we hit record. Yes, um, we've just started working with a project in Madagascar, which is reforestation. Mm -hmm. So it's instead of protecting, it's actually planting. So Madagascar is the biggest primary rainforest outside of Amazonia. Wow. But they're losing, I think, something like five percent of it per year to illegal logging, to fires, and so forth. So there is a huge need to kind of replenish those stocks. The climate in Madagascar, lovely, temperate, humid, mm. sort of wet means that those trees grow a lot faster. Um, new trees grow a lot faster and, and they sequester a lot more carbon. It's one of the few places in the world where you can actually do reforestation at scale. And this, the project we're working with, which is called Grand de Vie, um, Seed of Life, which is rather poetic, has planted, I think, something like 20 million trees, not just in Madagascar, but actually in Benin and Rwanda and Togo as well. But we're focusing on, on Madagascar. And so 
the economics again of tree planting in that part of the world mean that you can put one you can plant a tree for 23p no way so i'm running around saying to people look you could put 23p on you know an additional 23p on so many things that you buy or so many things that Mm. you do and most a lot of us most of us wouldn't notice so for the cost of a um actually a quite a cheap cup of coffee that's 10 trees an unbelievably cheap cup of coffee (laughs) if you live live, in east london (laughs) yes and so um we've we've put together a whole load of packages you can't buy one i'm afraid i think the the smallest number of of trees that you could plant would be is 20 i think but even so like okay yeah Mm. and and all the way up to you know we're hoping that some people might go would you know what let's plant 500 or Mm. let's plant a thousand oh as as a business you know if you've got a a running your own business or um you know and and you're thinking well what what should we do this christmas i mean what a gorgeous present and then just to give all the staff a card saying this is what we've done you've you've planted a thousand trees um and and it's a yeah and and i think and again we all have i I, um tamsin's i know is because we were talking about before is is out going to be planting some trees later on today like tree planting is amazing i love Mm. trees we all do i and i genuinely believe that if if somebody said well i don't really like trees i might be like really i'm not sure i believe you but they are you know we there there is such a huge part of all of of every culture every culture has a tree in it Mm. um incredibly important you know intrinsically linked aspect of of that culture they're everywhere in our lives in the symbols that we use and you know there are all these wonderful things that live in them yeah and very briefly we talked Mm. about this in the festival and we you mentioned sort of greenwashing how can we be sure that Mm. these projects are doing what they say they're doing are delivering the impact we um assume they are you know and and it's not just like well four pound 95 is going it's just gone administration and five p is going to yeah so you look for who those those organizations are affiliated with so um, are they um, following the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals? Right. If you say that you are and you put the UN SDG logos on your website, that means that the UN has given you permission to oh, do really? that. Yeah, you can't just you can't just chuck them up there. That's illegal. I know wow. because I nearly did it because I was like, "This is amazing. We're following." They're like, "No, you need to go and ask permission." Wow. So like, of course you do. So that's that's number one. Then you can look for other accreditations like gold standard or vera are two bodies that okay. that are the sort of gold standard it's quite a clever yeah. name for accreditation of offsetting projects you can also you know you can just do a little bit of a little bit of homework go to their you know go to their website have a look at who they're working with have a look at what they say they've done it'll become very clear i think very quickly if they're not being transparent about what they're doing and generally the more information you know when somebody says so we've planted this many trees in all of these different areas and here's an interactive map for where we planted Mm. them and here's you know if you're not if somebody's just saying yeah we planted lots of trees then you know so the more information that's being displayed the the more confidence you can have but i i always look for who do these people say that they're working with who Mm. are those bodies what do we know about them those are the things that'll give you that'll give you reassurance and and confidence presumably if we come through an organization like terra neutral you guys have done those checks yeah we've done that uh, yeah due diligence a hundred percent because ultimately we we have to be responsible for, um, for for those products as in everything in life, not all offsetting or sequestration projects are created equal yes. um, in terms of governance and accountability mm. and so forth. And if you Googled, you know, carbon offsetting projects, you will find examples of projects where mm. things have been overestimated, underestimated. Right, yeah. There are bad apples in in every barrel. Yeah, um, yeah. And but you know we we've got three company values: uh, authenticity, simplicity, and optimism. Oh, wow. The authenticity piece is about standing a hundred percent behind the projects that we work with and mm. saying we vouch for them, and we will stand up and, and say that and be and be confident that, that yeah. we've done the work and that we know where they're going. To me, there was a there was an example where I was having a private conversation with somebody and we were talking about offsetting for for airlines. And he was telling me about what number, about some of the price that he'd been quoted to, to offset. And I was looking at it and I went away and try and did the maths on where he'd gone and et cetera. And I just couldn't make the numbers add mm. up. 
the number that he was quoted was so much bigger than what we oh, really? would have quoted. And so even if you take into account some, some margins, some markup, that's mm. fine, okay. But the, the, the thing about that, and it's, it's, a, 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 it's an example that I hope is an isolated example, is when you do something like that that can call into question the integrity of that yes. whole mechanism, yeah. you are just giving ammunition to people who say, yes. oh, well, we shouldn't There's do no anything point. like yeah. that or I want to have reasons not to do yes. it. It's a double whammy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we feel quite strongly about that. Brilliant. Right, let's have a quick look at the chat because Tamsin yeah. has joined us live. Tamsin's in the Knackered Mums Eco Club and Hi, um, she's got to run off and actually plant some trees, which mm. is very exciting. Which you're is doing brilliant. Some orchardization, that's not even a word, making an or, mini orchard uh, at primary mm. school. So Tamsin says, do you feel people have to have that oh my God moment before we can kind of engage with them on changing? She did a work experience session yesterday with secondary school kids and really wanted to show them the urgency but not scare them and they were disinterested, felt they really couldn't have any effect. So how do we get past that without the anxiety or do we need a bit of anxiety first? Brilliant question. I think that is a really, really good question. I believe that we do not have to, so I don't believe that we need that anxiety first i don't like the idea of having to scare people mm. into doing something that to me feels like a very negative it's if you can get somebody to engage positively with some something versus negatively positively will always stick longer and 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 deeper mm. it's always better to do it that way i again optimism is as one of our values so i think it's possible to get people and in fact i know it is because we've done it to get people excited about this as a challenge mm -hmm. yes it's probably it's probably more difficult in fact it is more difficult it's, it's easy to scare people we see that unfortunately everywhere we look with what's going on in the world today it is easy to scare people it is much better to come from a positive place and to try and energize them and enthuse them I think the, the point about they felt they couldn't have any effect, great example of that, my, um, my brother-in-law was like, the guy who comes around and sort of checks our recycling told me that I needed to tear open my tea bags to pour out the tea leaves before putting the recycling in. And I was like, mate, have you seen the emissions from China? Yeah. You know, when, you, when you look at it like that, then you're- Have you seen like, Joe down the road? He's not even doing his recycling. He's not even doing his recycling. <laughs> But again, I I'd come back to the point that we were talking about earlier, which is there are so many things that you can do. Each one of them does have an impact. And ultimately, we're all social creatures. We're all social people, particularly children. Children know that if a couple of them get together and do something, more will, will follow. Mm. They, they understand that maybe, even, yeah, maybe yeah. even better than, than we do. And so I think that's, you know, that, that sense of, of, it not being an individual thing, it being we, it's being something that we do as part of friendship groups, part of classes, part of communities, you know, and then the circles get bigger and bigger and all of a sudden you have an awful lot of people. So I have a really positive, smiley, kind of optimistic view about that, but it's a, it's a fantastic question and it speaks to the psychology of, mm. of the changes that we're all trying to make. I, I fight really hard against scaring people i don't like that as an idea and it doesn't last as long as getting somebody to do something for more positive reasons but i guess there's there's that fine line isn't there between scaring people but also being quite clear about the reality that we're faced we're potentially yeah. facing you know i had a, a conversation with an old school friend who is incredibly intelligent incredibly well educated and she was like well what is it going to look like in 30 years time i don't really know do you know so you kind of yeah i think sometimes we 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 don't talk about that because we don't want to scare people and we don't want to overwhelm people and we don't want to put them off. But then are they kind of left thinking, that's well, all right, isn't it? Like so I again a really, really good point. My fear is that by talking, even, you know, we talked about we talk about twenty fifty. Mm. 2050 is 30 years we had This will scare that. you. Twenty we're nearer to twenty fifty than nineteen eighty. <gasps> Oh, I remember the 80s. No, I um different different podcast. So um <laughs> twenty fifty is a long way off. 2030 isn't a long way off. We all know how quickly 10 years goes, but yeah. for a lot of people, 2030 will feel like a long way off. My worry about ca always couching things in terms of like, we've got this many years, mm. is people f do feel able to put it off till tomorrow. I think painting a picture of what 
the world looks like in 2030 is a very, very good way of getting them to take the problem seriously. And actually the best, the people who've done that the best that I've seen is, is in the book called The Something We Choose, The World the we, choose. we Choose. The yeah. Future We Choose, I can't believe I blanked on it, which is Christiana Figueres and mm. Tom Rivett Karnak from, from the UN and, and the Paris Climate Accords. They do, they paint a lovely picture and then they paint mm. a not very nice picture. And they're like, you, you can choose. choose. Yeah. Choose which one you want. Mm. It can be wonderful. It can be really awful. That is a, that's a good way of doing it. They're not just scaring people for the sake of it. They're showing mm. those two things. And, and, and I do think in that sense, you, 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 I understand the need to sort of perhaps bring reality mm. to the fore a bit more. Again, I don't think you need to scare people. I think you just need to be very straightforward about it. It's mm. like, it can be like this, which looks yeah. good, or it could be like this, which yeah. looks bad. And then obviously saying, and even though people, you know, a lot of people not listen is 10 years is not that far away. Yeah. I think also asking people, you know, how old will you be in 2030? How old will your kids be in 2030? That's yeah. a very good way of sort of making it much more real. But, but I love that bit about a friendship group or even a class. Mm. So, you know, in that example that Tamsin gave about a secondary school. So rather than then saying to the children, right, now, what are you going to do? What can yeah. we do as a class or as a school that can make yeah. a difference. Is there anyone who wants to come to, to get together and we can form a little group and we can have a think about the things that we can do as a school? Because, you know, and then there might be, even if a few people come and see you afterwards or whatever, rather than like, oh, I'm gonna go home and ask my mum if we can recycle, trying to make it more of a, and, and you get to see that collective impact much more. And also really. I think children as, as drivers, this all sounds a bit impersonal, but children as drivers of change in their parents, is an incredibly powerful tool. I think if mm. our power came home from, yeah, came home from school and said, right, as a class, we've decided we're going to do this. Mm. You're going to go, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm going to support that. I'm going to, I'm going to help that. Hopefully we'd already be doing it, but maybe we're not. Maybe it's mm. something we hadn't mm. thought of. Maybe it's something that's specific to the children. I was really happy to hear, again, Charlotte was telling me that her children have learned about the UN sustainable development goals at school. I never learned about anything like that. No. And okay, I was at school a long time ago. But if we can create those sorts of that sort of awareness within schools and, and then create these groups and, mm. and give, you know, and, and have them say, let's do this. Let's take on a challenge. Let's, you know, you can make it fun. It doesn't have to be onerous. And there are lots of great examples of this. There's like tree planting um, mm. this afternoon. There are lots of wonderful examples. I think it's such a powerful, positive way of inspiring people to to make changes and to growing those changes yeah there's a there's a guy ed moore who did he's done a festival session and i think he's done a, mm. uh, we've done a podcast as well and he's a teacher at a first school in um, dorchester and you know you have these like young enterprise challenges where kids get given a five yeah, or a tenner yeah. and then have to well they do it but they do it like an eco project with it um, yeah. you know and then make um upcycled things or whatever to sell so i guess that's another angle to come at it from with kids isn't it that might, yeah um, engage something creative something yeah yeah something that they can get out and they can go be outside and do it, it could mm. be an outdoor activity it could be something that be could be creative you know using things that they found and collected for, for some, there's i think there's cleverer people and more artistic people than me will come up with better ideas but there's so much that mm. that, that can be done and again i i think it's a wonderful way of bringing everybody together. yeah 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 Tamsin's other question or comment I guess is it's hard to change the mindset on Christmas which we touched on didn't we especially yeah. this year I think when it's hard to maybe to get together and do physical things and um you know I, I always say to people, oh you know we'll suggest that you all go out together for a meal in the new year well that's not going to be possible this year is it so do you have any ideas for what to suggest as alternatives that give you that sense of togetherness whilst you're apart for a yeah, cheesy I mean, term? Yeah, how to be together even when we're apart, um, it, which is, um, it's really difficult. Even if we could be together, you still sort of, you know, there's still a feeling that it's something that's going to happen after Christmas and does it have the immediacy? Mm, but yeah, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so much more this year. So, so I have a couple of friends who have forever always given people things that they've made. <laughs> um, and they are, one of them is, a, is now quite a good cook. And so he makes barrels of chutney and he gives people. I like the fact you said you know, now quite a good cook. That implies that you had some really rubbish chutney for quite I, a <laughs> I, let, Let's say some of the earlier experiments were, were experiments. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but it came from the heart. And mm, so, but yeah. so I think anything that you can do that has, 
that, that has been created by you or that has, again, I was talking about my friend Harry, that has, that has a really easy way of demonstrating that you have, have thought about this mm, mm. Um, and that you have done something, you know, to, to make this or you, there's some inspiration that comes yeah. from you. I think that particularly this year, I feel like that will go such a long way. You know, whether it's a handmade card, whether it's making a, a, a jar of, of chutney, whether it's finding uh, an, an autograph photograph of one of their favorite actors or sports mm, people, mm. like things on eBay, like something that can really be direct. You can draw a direct connection to, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. to them. I feel like that's a really strong way of, of bridging that kind of, that lack of togetherness. That yeah. And also year. I was just thinking about like, maybe you go around the wider family and, and say, look, instead of doing a secret Santa for grown-ups or whatever, if everyone wants to put a tenner in the hat and maybe we can protect an acre of rainforest as a, as a family. Like, That's I think that would be idea. really lovely. Yeah, I would, I, I think, and I think actually coming together as groups of people and doing things, that's, mm. a, that's a fantastic suggestion. So because you, you kind of augment that, that sense yeah. of, of togetherness. And so, you know, you can imagine lots of different sort of groups all kind of, of getting together and, and if they all came together to to plant trees or to protect rainforests that nothing would make me happier but if equally they all came together and made chutney or hot mm. sauce or gin then if i think that would be quite a fun thing almost like a, a bake-off technical challenge where everybody gets a recipe each, yeah. each you know each family within a wider family gets a recipe and has to make a jar of chutney or whatever to, to hand on to the others and then, and they then... Hand on, <laughs> and then before you know it you've actually got you know nobody has to do any cooking on christmas Day <laughs> I think that's probably a ways off, but I think that's a, 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 a lovely idea. I do think we'll have to work harder to, to, to get that, but I think it'll be, I think weirdly it's very aligned with what the, some of the ideas that we've been mm. talking about where you are trying to, you're putting more thought and more of yourself into what you are getting for people mm. and what yeah. you're doing for people. And as a result, you're, it's less kind of just, you know, this knickknack that I found. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. On, on I'm, I'm totally going off on a tangent with this buying an acre thing because I'm just thinking, well, you could do that. Mm. And then the, the kids or whoever can, can research where in, the, where in the world it is. You could have a little Zoom quiz about this area of the world, family Zoom and quiz. And what are all can... of the animals that yeah, live Yeah, what there animals and, there you know, are. The kids could favorites. do a little five-minute presentation. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> That's we should we should do another we should either do another podcast or we should we should build that make that. yeah I think it's I think it's brilliant it's yeah absolutely brilliant fab oh so many great ideas Luke thank you and and I think you've made me feel a bit happier about sort of offsetting and almost feeling guilty about offsetting which sounds silly doesn't it because it feels a bit like oh I'm taking the easy way out no Whereas I... in reality you know we have pared down our Christmas quite a lot. Um, and but it's still going to have a bit, you know. There is still going to be an impact. And... This is the other thing. And sorry, the last thing I'd say about offsetting, actually, which I probably should have said before, is that even when all of us are on renewable energy, cycling to work, wearing secondhand clothes, eating vegan meals, etc., we will still have a carbon yeah. footprint. The only way we'll not is to die, sadly. Basically, yes. And not only that, but. All of, our li all of our years beforehand, we will have a residual. That's your residual carbon mm. footprint. And actually, the only way to get rid of that is offsetting because it's already, it's already done. Mm. So rather than think about it, offsetting as a way of, of, of sort of feeling guilt-free about your lives, think of it as, as it is, which is a, is a key component of living a low-carbon mm -hmm. life. Yeah. And you could do everything in the world to reduce and reduce. Mm. If you wanted to be carbon positive, you would almost certainly have to offset. There'd be yeah. no other way of doing it. And so, you know, think of it as, a, as one of the things, you know, awareness, reduction, offsetting that you can do to actually really um, make a difference. If you're only offsetting, it's the first start of your yeah. journey. Great. I hope that next year or tomorrow you'll be doing something else. Yeah. And offsetting applies that, uh, implies, sorry, that awareness, doesn't it? If you're, if you're offsetting, it implies that you are aware it that does. there is an issue yes. and it, therefore it hopefully we you can... You are on that road. You're on that road yeah. already. This is going to sound naive of me, I'm sure, and idealistic and overly optimistic, but I genuinely don't believe that people who come to us and offset their Christmas or offset their carbon footprint for the year, for them or for their families, as you can do, I don't believe that they are not also thinking about ways mm. of living a lower carbon life. Yeah. 
it's them they're not the ones i'm worried about it's mm-hmm. the ones who aren't yeah like, how can we get all of them to yeah, do yeah, some yeah. of these things how can yeah. we get them on that journey yeah because there's still an awful lot of those people yeah definitely we need to That's a, a massive we need to find them and reach out to them Engage. and give them a hug and all that yeah thing. and i think you know that the fact that you said you know this campaign you ran last year um just raises that awareness that christmas has an impact and actually yeah. oh therefore everything has an impact and you know just just start some some cogs it's wearing a great, it's a really good place to start because you don't have to explain you don't have to explain to people what happens at christmas mm, yeah everybody knows like you don't have to go through the science of it you don't have what everybody knows and mm. so when you're dealing with again a concept that is very very familiar and very it's a very happy one for people so if you can start with that again it's a great entry point mm. um, you could start with flights or you could start with you know your energy bill or you could start with clothes or or, or whatever you know you can start all over the place mm. but you know christmas is is something that people understand obviously and so you're kind of halfway there already yeah, in terms yeah. of, of bringing people on board yeah amazing we could chat forever and i'm aware we we've could. gone way over what i said no, like, oh been... we'll just be half an hour <laughs> i'm glad Um, we weren't it's been really really brilliant thank you so much and um yeah is it too i don't it's the second of december we're recording this is we allowed to say happy christmas i think we are yeah merry christmas (laughs) merry christmas we haven't got got a we haven't got uh a tree yet still trying to find a you can rent trees and i love this i've been to i'm still trying to find one they're all sold you needed to do it in june i think they're all yeah i know know. and you would really would have hoped that i would have thought of that wouldn't shows what a good idea it is though doesn't it (laughs) It that um you know and how something people really easy for people to grasp brilliant thank you so much luke that's been absolutely amazing jen thank you lovely to chat as ever and merry christmas yes and you ish you wonderful sack of loveliness with me jen gale hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old gray matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably do let me know what that is i love to hear about the changes that people are making big or small every single one counts if you've enjoyed the show and i hope you have Do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Listener.